Hello, and welcome to the ATPE podcast, brought to you by the Association of Texas Professional Educators and covering the hottest topics on Texas educators' minds today. Hello, and welcome to the ATPE podcast. My name is David George, and I serve as the editor for ATPE News Magazine. In this episode, we're going to be discussing educators' duties as mandated reporters. Specifically, we will address what is legally required of mandated reporters and some potential concerns. We are joined today by Selena Leal, a staff attorney in the ATPE Member Legal Services Department for the past five years. For a little background, Selena serves as an on-call attorney, taking calls daily from members and answering email inquiries through our Member Legal Services Intake System. We're really happy to have you on the podcast today, Selena. Hi, David. Thanks for having me. Uh, let's begin with what it means to be a mandated reporter. Uh, David, the mandated reporter law is one that's extremely important because it applies to all educators in Texas. Educators are in a unique position to potentially identify child abuse and neglect. Um, child abuse and neglect should always be reported, however, in Texas, educators and anyone who holds a state professional license they have a mandatory duty to make a report of child abuse or neglect within 48 hours of having a reasonable suspicion that it's occurring. So this means that they must report it. They cannot delegate this duty to a colleague like an administrator or a school counselor. Failing to report child abuse or neglect could result in criminal liability. It's a class B misdemeanor and it's punishable by a fine of up to $2,000 and imprisonment of up to 180 days. Failing to report abuse or neglect could also result in civil liability for an educator, meaning they could be sued and subjected to monetary liability. And I think it goes without saying that failing to report could also result in sanctions to an educator's TA certification or other state license that they may hold, and it can result in the termination of their employment. Can you talk to us about what legally constitutes abuse or neglect? So abuse takes many forms. Uh, it can be mental, emotional, physical, or sexual. And it's in the Texas Family Code where abuse and neglect is defined. Uh, how is abuse defined by the Family Code? Well, uh, it defines a mental or emotional injury as one that results in an observable and material impairment to the child's growth development or psychological functioning. A physical injury is one that results in substantial harm or the genuine threat of substantial harm to the child. Sexual abuse is any sexual conduct that is harmful to a child's mental, emotional, or physical welfare. And prohibited conduct also includes allowing a child to be depicted in obscene or pornographic material. Uh, the failure to make a reasonable effort to prevent another person from committing uh, physical or sexual abuse to a child, this also constitutes abuse. So a person can be uh, guilty of abuse if they're causing or permitting a child to be in a situation that results in abuse. Another thing to remember is that abuse does not always have to be imposed by an adult. Um, another form of abuse that educators may have the occasion to observe is student-on-student uh, -student abuse. Uh, this can be also considered child abuse. 
And regarding neglect, failure to provide food, clothing, shelter, and medical care, or leaving a child in a situation where they're at risk of harm, that's what constitutes neglect. And David, I just want to say that because all potential cases of abuse or neglect are highly individualized, I recommend that educators contact their professional organization for legal advice within the 48-hour reporting window should they have questions about their duty as a mandated reporter. What should an educator do if they suspect a student is being abused or neglected? And where do they make the report? So their report has to go to a proper reporting authority. And again, remember that a school administrator or a school counselor is not considered a proper reporting authority. So if an educator has a TA certification or state license, their report needs to be made within 48 hours. And I wanna clarify that before making a report, um, an educator should not try to investigate a particular situation. I think sometimes that educators, out of their concern for the child or maybe to validate their suspicions, they try to make a, a, an investigation of their own before making a report. So they should definitely avoid doing that. Um, they should take down whatever information they have so that they can provide accurate information to the reporting authority, which is uh, the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services, or any state or local law enforcement agency. There is a distinction, though, um, in the appropriate reporting authority in a case where suspected abuse involves a person who is responsible for the care, custody, or welfare of a child. Uh, this includes the obvious parents and guardians, but also school personnel. Uh, in this case, the report must be made to, to the uh, Texas Department of Family and Protective Services. Otherwise, in, in other instances, uh, reports can be made solely to law enforcement. Um, and I want to add here that the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services has a hotline where educators can call and report. They have a website um, where educators can report electronically as well. And we're gonna link uh, the DFPS resource in the description box below. This site has instructions on using the hotline and the online reporting system. It has a frequently asked questions section for reporters and a guide for mandated reporters that also includes a training program that takes about an hour to complete. What if a district requires that an educator make a report of suspected abuse to local administration? So an educator should follow any local uh, policies that their school or, or district has related to the reporting of suspected abuse or neglect. Um, but again, this is not going to meet the mandatory reporting requirement. This would have to be done in addition to it. The board policy that addresses uh, student welfare, child abuse and neglect that can be found at FFG Legal and FFG Local. Um, I also want to add that an educator should not be coerced or suppressed into failing to report child abuse and neglect. Doing that is also a crime. And what if an educator isn't sure whether abuse or neglect is actually occurring? Well, the law requires that an educator make the report 
when they have a reason to suspect that the abuse might be occurring. So even if there's no way to confirm those suspicions, the report must be made. There is a resource, uh, again, with the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services at the child abuse hotline. Um, educators can call this hotline if they have a concern about a child's behavior, uh, but would like more information about whether the behavior is indicative of abuse or neglect. They can talk to a, pro a professional there about their concern. And if an educator makes a report that turns out uh, to be wrong, if their suspicions are not correct, uh, what can they expect? So educators are immune from civil or criminal liability for any report of child abuse or neglect, as long as their report is made in good faith. Uh, if an educator's suspicions are reasonable and sincere, then they'll have immunity. Conversely, if someone makes a report in bad faith or malice, then of course they're not immune for civil or criminal liability. And concerns about privacy as a reporter? Of course, this is a really huge concern. Um, an educator should know that a report of suspected abuse or neglect is confidential and it's not subject to public release under the Open Records Act. The identity of the individual making the report, as well as information contained in the report, may be disclosed only for purposes consistent with the investigation of the alleged abuse and in accordance with the requirements of the Family Code. Uh, last question. Is there anything educators should be aware of regarding the attorney general's opinion on gender affirming care that was issued last year? Um, David, educators may recall that around this time last year, the Texas attorney general issued an opinion about gender affirming care. His opinion was that certain types of gender affirming care could be considered child abuse. This is a really complicated legal issue, and there's ongoing litigation regarding the Attorney General's opinion. In addition, the Texas legislature is now in session, and it may address the issue with new legislation. I would emphasize again that because all potential cases of abuse or neglect are highly individualized, it's best to contact your professional organization for legal advice within the 48-hour window if you have questions uh, as your duty as a mandated reporter. Selena, thank you so much for so eloquently explaining all of this information to us today. As always, if you have any questions or feedback, you can send those to com at atpe.org. That's C-O-M-M at atpe.org. And we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast as well as leave us a review. Thanks again for being here, and we will see you next time on the ATPE Podcast. Thanks for listening to the ATPE Podcast. For more information about becoming part of Texas's largest community of educators, please visit ATPE.org. The information provided in this podcast is for general purposes only. Individual legal situations vary greatly and viewers needing individual legal advice should consult directly with an attorney. Eligible ATPE members may contact the ATPE Member Legal Services Department.